0: Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, a salatu was salamu ala Sayyid al Mursaleen, wa ala alihi wasahbihi ajmain amma bad. Imam al Harith al Muhasibi says in his Risalat al Mustarshidin, wa anna kulla aklin la yashabu thalatha tu ashia, fahuwa aklu aklun makkarun we have one of the greatest gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to us we have many many gifts which one do we say is the greatest gift that's a very difficult thing to say but I'm sure everybody would agree that one of the greatest gifts that we have is our intellect now how do you even consider that a gift sometimes it's difficult to understand that to be a gift because it's the it's within our very makeup it's basically what makes us who we are, human beings, we have an aql, we have a ruh, we have a body Without, intelli- without intelligence we wouldn't really be human beings as we know human beings Without an intellect you, would, you could be controlled, puppeteered but you wouldn't be able to make your own decision and uh, the whole fact that there is a paradise and a hell uh, means there's willpower means there's free will and free will can only be exercised if you have intelligence which gives you the ability to put various different things together and reach certain conclusions so we have an akal, we have an intelligence the primary reason for our intelligence is to understand the purpose of this world and then to understand that there are certain realms which uh, 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 the realm of the divine the realm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala where our aql our intelligence doesn't necessarily work But our aql and intelligence is supposed to allow us to reach to that understanding So he says here um, he says here that know that every intellect Which is not accompanied by three things three characteristics? Uh, is a deceiving intellect so a person may think that they are using their intellect but it's actually full of deception. Deception is when you think you're doing something or you're getting something but you're actually not getting that what, what you think is valuable. Deception is generally when you think you're going to get something which is supposed to be valuable but you're actually not going to get it, it's something else that's being given to you, it's not as valuable as you would have thought it was. So essentially any intelligence, when we exercise our intelligence, leading to certain conclusion if it's not accompanied by three things and it's considered the aqlun makkarun makkar from makkar which basically means deception so the, the, the way that's described is basically any intellect which will adorn for a for the person using it evil as good basically clothe evil in good and make make it seem like what you're doing is good but actually internally in effect, uh, consequentially it's going to be evil um, later on. What are these three things? Number one he says is al So, when we use our intellect, if it's not going to help us to give preference to obedience over disobedience, then the, that's one and it's justifying for us, it's embellishing for us, the wrong over the right, then we have to understand that it's a problem. But then the conundrum here is that how do you know what you're thinking is wrong? There has to be a scale to which you have to measure that. Because obviously the person, as Allah says in the Qur'an, that those for whom Shaitan has zayna lahum, Right has adorned for them their uh, actions of this world. They they're going to think they're doing good. They're going to swear by them. They're going to be proselytizing. They're going to be uh, encouraging others to do the same thing. So I guess this is a way that if we don't under un, if the person doesn't understand themselves, well others can actually maybe make that judgment about such a person. They seem to be very intellectual, but. His intellect is not giving Ithar al and al masi it's not giving him preference of obedience over disobedience. In fact, it's the other way around. And I think this is actually a very important criteria today. Because we have a lot of this. Both in general society, within the Muslim community as well. We're having ideas that were never floated before. And before, if any of those ideas would have been mentioned, they would have been considered completely radical and they would have been essentially completely abandoned but today they actually find they actually, they, they actually find following and some kind of appreciation at least in certain quarters number two is also giving preference to knowledge over ignorance uh, so the, essentially the idea is that the intellect needs to that's what it needs to be accompanied by that we're giving preference to knowledge over ignorance not coating ignorance into something that's actually valuable but rather based on solid knowledge so essentially going off on just shallow knowledge superficial knowledge so there's a lot of people that are very intellectual but they have no substance behind what they say they're able to twist and turn something and clothe it and make it look nice and embellish it but there's actually no solid knowledge and what knowledge is this talking about Obviously the knowledge here that's discussed is the sacred knowledge that is truly what is considered to be the, the correct understanding according to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So somebody is as intelligent as they want to be. I mean there's a lot of new kids on the block like that. That's what we call them, new, new kids on the block. They've kind of jumped on the stage. They generally write very well or speak very well, at least one of those two or maybe both. And they haven't proven anything yet. They haven't established. They haven't taught anybody. They haven't produced uh, any good students. They've not uh, essentially nurtured anybody yet. They've not produced the. Uh, they've not produced the model of a, a mosque system that works yet. They're criticizing masjids, They're criticizing institutes or madrasas, whereas they have not yet been able to demonstrate a good model for that but their whole uh, their whole campaign is based on criticism so the idea is i mean there's a, criticism is very easy and it sounds very eloquent so it actually seems like it's actually very substantial and while i mean every criticism may have some truth to it we don't deny that you can't deny all criticism i mean there's always Even when somebody criticizes, there must be some element of truth in there. Of course, we have to understand that whenever somebody criticizes somebody, there's generally always going to be a level of exaggeration in there. So if you minus that exaggeration of 30%, 50%, maybe even 70%, okay, even maybe 90%, there has to be 10% of truth, right? Because generally when somebody wants to criticize somebody, hardly anybody ever makes up something just totally blasphemous, just totally uh, fabricated. A lot of the time, it's based on something or the other that they actually find as ammunition. And then they just, they they put a lot of bloatware on it, and then they, they they basically add a lot of stuff on there. So that's generally what it is. We can always learn from criticism, right? We can always learn from criticism. Of course, it's not nice to be criticized, uh, but constructive criticism is actually good. So that's the second thing. And the second one, the third one, is what itharudinii dunya. This is uh, essentially giving preference to the religion over the dunya. Subhanallah and that one is a lot more commonly understood right because there is so much intellect today being used Even by the Muslims for the sake of refinement of the dunya Right and it, I mean we may say there's nothing wrong about that Because it's to make lives better for people so we could say that we're actually living at a time where unprecedented unprecedented progress and advancement you know of uh, 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 whether that be uh, the technology or the various different you know prog- uh, uh, advancements in uh, medicine and um, everything you know everything related to that so there's nothing wrong with that he's saying there's nothing wrong with using your aql for the dunya but it's there's something wrong in preferring the dunya over the akhirah and again one of the reasons there is that Um, Unfortunately, a lot of the Muslim countries that even have money, they seem to have their focus. Unfortunately, some of them, their focus is on making their country more dunya. right, Rather than actually producing something to contribute to elsewhere. I was actually quite surprised that when we went to Malaysia, they've actually got two cars that are built in Malaysia and designed and built, uh, or at least they're built in Malaysia, the Proton and there's another one which I couldn't even remember the name. But they're everywhere in Malaysia, and they actually export to different countries. One is the proton. We see a few in England. I don't know if you still see them, right? So I was quite surprised. I didn't realize that it was actually a Muslim country. You know, something to be proud of that they've actually got a car. So we get, we, we do, we we actually do feel proud of this. Um, but mashallah, in Malaysia, they're also trying. I mean, there's also the people who are trying to focus on their Deen as well, right? No place is perfect, but yet there's other places where. When you go there, it's more dunya than the UK, it's more dunya than America in those places, it's just dunya, dunya, dunya all around you. In fact, they have so- uh, songs down there when you sit in the taxis, dunya, 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 that's what they talk about. Right? Subhanallah, You used to have to tell them, please put this off man, you're only seeing enough dunya around us in Syria, that was the case. It was this, just this famous song, it's just dunya, 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 I was like, put this off. So again, he's saying there's not. I mean, in this particular one, I mean, you can use your aql for the dunya. I mean, like uh, I think it was Sheikh Abdullah Al-Alawi Al-Haddad, rahimahullah, he said that um, if it wasn't for you know certain people focused on the dunya, etc., this dunya would not work because if everybody was going to use the intelligence for the hereafter, then we wouldn't have any development in this world. Right? But as I said, that most of the Muslim countries. A lot of them are seem to be on the defensive, so a lot of the money that they're putting in is for it's not for the right reason, right? The the thinkers, I mean, in Western universities, you have you have research positions, where they pay you a full time job salary to go and write a book, to research and write a book, or write a write a paper, write a few papers, or write a, a book on something. We how how would you uh, convince a Muslim community to do that, right? So, wa kullu ilmin. So then, basically, the conclusion is that use your intellect, but always give preference to obedience over disobedience. So don't use your intellect to make out new ways of disobedience or find successful ways of doing disobedience, right? Because a lot of people we do things wrong. And we think we've been very successful because we've avoided detection. Nobody's found out. I kept it away from the wife, for example, right? Or from the husband, or uh, from the community, or whatever. May Allah protect us. So that's basically using the intellect for disobedience. Ithar al al right? The intellect is of no use if 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 it's based on ignorance. It's going to be shallow anyway. It needs to be based on knowledge, then it's the tool that will help you develop that knowledge into something that's more useful. And thirdly, إثار الدين which is uh, to give preference to the deen over the dunya. And to understand the position of both of them with the intellect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. May Allah guide our intellect and allow these three companions, the right companions to be along them, the obedience... Preference of obedience, preference of knowledge and preference of the deen. Then he says, right? Every knowledge, so specifically in our knowledge, every knowledge that we acquire, if it is not accompanied by the following three things then that is just going to be an increase in evidence basically it's going to be an increase in the evidence against us it's not going to be for us it's going to be used against us because knowledge is supposed to be a good thing it's supposed to be in our favor kaffu al-adha <laughs> bi kaffu al-adha <laughs> bi basically to uh, deter the harm to uh, to prevent the harm in whatever shape and form that is to, pre- to prevent the harm, while also severing, decreasing, the, the, the desire for the inappropriate. So, on the one hand, we're trying to remove and deter anything which is harmful through our knowledge. So, obviously, avoiding harmful knowledge is one thing, but then using our knowledge to educate people so they can understand what's wrong. That's how you deter harm. You educate people and say look this is harmful for you right whether that be pyramid schemes right whether that be just other deviances whether that be whatever it may be something misleading people so educating people to help educate people even if you're not a scholar to find to listen to something good and convey that to somebody else this is, this does not mean you just basically spam people with a lot of forwards that you get of nice hadith uh, apparently or nice quotes that's not what it means because that could be harmful to people because what you're doing is you're over you're flooding them you're overwhelming them so they dismiss everything that they see them they don't bother looking so if you're getting a message or several messages from this if, if I'm sending you several messages a day you're probably not going to read everything but if I send you maybe one message a week it's like oh mashallah this guy he's, he's very considerate in what they send like it really makes a lot of sense So let me read his messages that's effective da'wah isn't it so there's a there's a way to do da'wah there's a way to spread your knowledge there's a way to avoid other if you're going to be constantly condemning somebody in a very strict and harsh way that's not going to work either because then people like balance you see generally people uh, most people are predisposed to balance majority of people you get the fringe which is predisposed to uh, extreme extremism Right, in whatever way, or shape, or form, you get those kind of people among everybody. So they're looking for extremists, and if you give something in a balance, they don't like what you say. They say, No, you're not being strict enough. But then a majority of people don't like extremist ways of saying them. When I mean extremist, I don't mean in the media meaning of extremist, I don't mean it in that sense. I mean off balance, where it just sounds a bit too harsh and too, it's not palatable. Sometimes you need to use a bit of harshness or perceived hardness or assumed hardness in the strictness in the way you say things but if somebody's constantly that's what he says always just condemning people all the time then eventually they become so for example if you're constantly calling Muslims you that, that they are shaitan and uh, basically they're and they're shaitan and um, radio Islam becomes radio shaitan and Maulana Ibrahim Baham becomes Reverend Ibrahim Baum because he did something that was disliked by this individual and people aren't going to take you seriously anymore That's just that's very extreme though. That's very extreme So kaful al-adha bi and also to basically uh, at the same time by uh, Trying to sever people's uh, desire for the wrong as Well, well uh, number two so this is all based on knowledge, like how is knowledge beneficial, right? So this was the first part. part. Number two, what else our knowledge needs to accompany is The knowledge that we have uh, is supposed to then beckon us to act upon it. Because that's the... A lot of people say that, look, if you can't act on knowledge, why learn more? But the benefit is that the more you learn, the more chance there is that something's going to inspire you. Because the knowledge we're talking about is knowledge of Qur'an and Sunnah. Something's going to inspire you. If it didn't inspire you the first time when you heard it again, when you heard it differently, it's going to inspire you. So it is always a beneficial of learning more. Nobody, You should never listen to this deception of the Shaytan that you shouldn't be listening to more because you, don't, you haven't even acted on that first lecture you heard. right? This is a general uh, deception. The more we listen inshaAllah the hopefully it's going to soften our hearts not everybody listens to good stuff right so let's let them carry on and the more because generally when ilm comes it beckons to amal it beckons to practice but now the practice the optimal sense is that the practice needs to be based on fear so number one you have to have knowledge with knowledge you have to have amal and the amal has to be with fear then it makes the perfect thing so knowledge we have basically practice based on knowledge but with fear with reverent fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and number three he says when you do mete out any justice when you do try to act in a just way and exercise justice it needs to be done with mercy and compassion it doesn't need to be done in this very draconian way where and again, that, that, that comes from a sense of extremism, doesn't it? That comes from a sense of imbalance, that everything that I do must just be, uh, you know, they just enjoy doing it in the most extreme sense. And some people are just too soft about it. It's a balance that we need to achieve, and the way to achieve a lot of this balance is by observing others who have that experience. That's generally the way humans learn. The way humans learn is obviously by through observation or reading the seerah of others. That's why the greatest of benefits is the seerah of the, of, of the awliya of Allah, the sahaba and then those who followed them. Because in the various different stories, there they, they will be a story in there, there will be an incident in there, there will be an account in there, which we can relate to in our situation. That will help us. And of course learning from our own mistakes. The first time we went and tried to help somebody... Correct somebody, um, and it just went completely wrong. We have to come back, and not blame them. We have to come and blame ourselves. I think that's the sunnah of the Prophet And one of the best examples of that is just a recap of the story of Taif. That when the Prophet leaves Taif, I mean, come on, who could blame the Prophet for not having tried? Like, who could blame him for that? Right? He tried for for he he tried his best, but none of those three leaders gave him any kind of support in fact he had then these little kids go uh, uh, basically attack him and now he's covered in blood i mean what greater proof do you want than that that i've done my job but then he says ya allah he says uh this is basically my weakness this is my inability till the this is basically the fact that this is the paucity of my strategy. I, I, don't, I didn't have the right strategy, he's saying. He's blaming himself. And then you can see that he's completely sincere because I mean, we know that. But what can tell is that in this dua where he, he's saying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that "In fala but if you are you know i've been basically humiliated and degraded and and trodden on all the rest of it but it doesn't matter as long as you're not unhappy with me it does not matter unless you're unless unless you're unhappy with me right so if you're not unhappy with me then it doesn't matter that just shows you that he it was purely done for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and now what makes it even more sincere is the fact uh, it's it's a really big lesson that dua is a real big lesson I mean it's one of the most emotional duas there. There's that one and there's one more it's immensely emotional so another thing is that remember Jibreel had come to him that or the angel had come to him and say that I will just finish these people off by knocking these mountains together and everybody in the valley would die so he was in a position of power and he's still saying this that shows proper self-reflection being in a position of power that he could have just done it because he would have been in a position of anger. Look, I did my best, man. These guys were strong with them. And then I get blooded. Okay, now I can, I can just wipe all of these people off. That's what you would expect as a, a reaction, but he doesn't do that. How can we act in extreme ways? An extreme form of dawah doesn't work. And too much leniency doesn't work either. There needs to be a balance. But sometimes that extremism does that, that harshness or strictness does work. Sometimes. It has to be used sparingly and likewise the other one needs to be used as well. So there you go. So basically the conclusion is that our intellect it should always be accompanied by giving preference to obedience over disobedience, uh, preference to knowledge over ignorance that means go and inquire go and find out mm-hmm. what does the sharia say about this right there's something going around go and contact scholar and say can you tell me about this and of course giving preference to the deen over the dunya and knowledge and this is on every level it's not just for, just for scholars you have to remember that it's for every one of us right especially those of us who want to learn more who want uh, to be closer to allah so every knowledge has to be uh, accompanied by the following three things otherwise that knowledge is going to act against us on the day of judgment one is that it should be used to remove harm to repel harm right and number two is to um, uh, number two it should be accompanied by good deeds uh, that that, that come with fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and when a person through their knowledge does uh, use it to What do you call it? Contribute to fairness in the world, right? To try to bring about some goodness, whether that be at work, whether that be at, in their families, whether that be in their home or in their extended family, then it needs to be done with tabadhu right? Which means to spend. To to, uh, to uh, badal, badal means to spend. With, that means an effort, right? Mutual effort needs to be placed in there, and it needs to be compassion and mercy. He says. أَنَّهُ مَا تَزَيَّنَ أَحَدٌ بِزِينَةٍ كَالْعَقْلِ عقل, the inter- the using your intellect, using the intellect you have. Uh, he says that no, that nobody has been given any adornment as good as intellect. Because it helps you earn your money, it helps you develop friendships, it helps you um, get your way around in the world. Because without that, we're dependent on others. So that is one of the greatest things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, gi- has given us. That's why the great tabi'i, Urwa ibn Zubayr anhu, he's a brother of a sahabi, he's not a sahabi. right? This is Aisha radiyaAllahu nephew. So Abdullah ibn Zubayr is a sahabi, but his brother Urwa is a tabi'i. Right? So he says that, dunya I mean, it's something that he's confessing to. He's saying that the most superior thing that the servant that the, the slaves of Allah have been given in the dunya is their intellect. Have you ever thought about our intellect like that? Right? Have we ever thought about our intellect like that? That it's a gift of Allah? Right? We just give it a sacredness right now because we know intellect, like, yo, I'm very intelligent, or, he's very intelligent. We, we talk about that, but then now to give it a spiritual realm, right? To say it's a God given idea, like you know, so suddenly we make it a sacred idea that helps us to focus on it in the right way, then, right? Mm. There's a concept of, uh, I, don't, I don't want to get into this, but in Malaysia, in the International Islamic University Malaysia, there's a good concept of the Islamicization of everything. Right? So this is almost like they'd say, this is Islamicizing the concept of the Aql. But we're not doing that. The Aql is an Islamic idea anyway. The, just, we're just raising awareness that, look, man, this is a sacred idea. You've got the intellect is something that you need to, be, um, you need to value. And then he said, <laughs> The greatest thing you'll be given in the hereafter will be the satisfaction of Allah. <coughs> the satisfaction of Allah. May Allah allow us to use our intellect for the satisfaction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the hereafter. So if you use our intellect in the right way, I think he's saying that inshallah you'll get the satisfaction of Allah in the hereafter. And then he says, uh, not him, uh, back to Muhasibi, he says, وَلَا <laughs> It's all related to what you've just been saying. Nobody's ever worn a garment superior to knowledge. Now you know that You know when people come up with a lot of knowledge, people generally respect them for that. So focus less, and what's interesting is that if you read business books, so the reason why, what's this guy's name who died? Um, jobs. The reason why he just wore those very casual one line clothing, uh, one color clothing. Do you know one of the reasons for that? So you don't have to bother about clothing, it's the mundane aspects of life. So you don't have to worry about that, just focus on using your intellect for what, what you're supposed to He obviously used it for the dunya, right? But what I'm saying is that people who are very smart in this world, they're less focused on everything else. Because saying that's just an obstacle, it's too much to worry about. Let's put all of our deliberation, all of our acumen into progress, into advancing something. And clothing, that's just for myself. So that's subhanallah saying um, nobody's worn any garment superior it doesn't mean that you be scruffy right because tidiness is part of islam nazafa is part of islam right decency and moderation and jamal is part of islam and what is jamal says allah is jamil and he uh, allah is jamil and he loves jamal allah is beautiful and he loves beauty what is beauty right beauty is proportion beauty is moderation beauty is symmetry so that's all part of the normal you know tidiness of Islam is beauty and then he says the reason why Akal is so important he says he says the two things he says basically that nobody's been adorned by anything more than the intellect and nobody's worn clothing that are more beautiful than knowledge and he says why he gives the reason he says because Allah cannot be recognized except with the intellect <coughs> That's why, subhanAllah, it's the tool, it's the greatest tool Allah has given us to be able to recognize Him with. That, that's what makes, him, makes it so great. And why is knowledge the greatest garment you can wear? Is because there's no way you can be obedient to Allah without knowledge. So it's knowledge that allows you to be obedient to Him. And it's akal and intellect that allows you to recognize Him. So now, inshaAllah, from now on, let us understand our intellect to be a great gift of Allah and to be used in the right way not just an arbitrary uh, part of us, but a really sacred idea within us. And uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to to value the knowledge as well and grant us beneficial knowledge.